Bowls and Jelly Spoons. Welcome to Truth, Love, and Peace, episode 41. Joining me today is Alfred Ward. We're going live on Facebook. There's the YouTube video. Make that go away. Alfred, thank you so much for joining me. Hey. Formalities and all that good hey. stuff. Hey. How's it going? So we're live on Facebook. There you are, and there I am. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So there you go. I'll turn this oh. so you can see. Oh, I didn't know. It was... So we're we're all live. I didn't know. I didn't know people could see. Me. Yeah, yeah. People got got their peepers on. So I think that's everything. Facebook's on. YouTube's on. Alfred Ward. Fuck yeah, man. Thank you so much for being here. This is great. Uh, for those who who don't know Alfred, uh, I met you through the stand-up comedian scene, but I understand you do video, and that's what we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because you have just made a, a resolution to not buy any more video gear in 2018. <laughs> no, no, not at all, not at all. So, so uh, far, so good. Well, no, I, uh, actually, when I started, when I when I decided to start acquiring hardware, because I know hardware is a, quite a commitment, because hardware changes. You know, it's limited by the cycles when a new generation comes out. Yeah. But. Uh, the new hardware comes out faster than new software that processes it, you know. So um, it's just it's just incredible. So it's like I bought a camera. I started in 2012, maybe, and my resolution was to uh, spend 100 bucks a mm -hmm. month because I knew it was going to take me thousands of dollars to reach my goal. And even if I spent like 400 bucks on like the body of a camera, it was like, okay, I'm not going to buy anything else for another three months. But then here it comes around again. I'm inside of my fourth month. I'm going to spend a hundred bucks, but I might buy two items. I might buy one item. I might buy three items. And that's how I built up my supply. Over years, I did this. And uh, that's smart. Yeah, it's about a year ago I purchased, I did about uh, maybe about $2,500 worth of purchases in one year. And I decided I'm going to slow down after that. Since then, I've piecemealed it. But the only thing I really would want now is the um, Steadicam. Yeah. Just even just a handheld, um, or maybe a gyro. Gyro would be on top, you know. Uh, That'd be a couple hundred dollars, but I probably could get a very simple state account. You can build one yourself, but I'd just go ahead and get a very simple one for about a hundred bucks. And that'll hold my camera steady enough to give me the effect that I really need. Nice. You know, because uh, I want to get I want to get the harness, but that's like a five hundred dollar investment. But I'm not really shooting. Maybe uh, for a feature film, but by the time I'm shooting a feature film, I'm gonna have a feature film budget. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have a feature film budget. Well, yeah. for people who want to see the films that you've already done, mm -hmm. where can they go to see that? Just to catch people up on, we, we are not talking amateur stuff. You are a professional videographer and direct stuff here in Mobile yeah. for shorts, for some kind of music or some kind of no, no, video I, I, festival. No, what well, is it? I like to imagine myself that I am. I like to imagine that I am. But the, well, the thing is, I, I have a weird philosophy. I feel like everything that you do. Um, you know, you, if if you envision that you will be doing it for mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, some type of monetary gain, some type of wealth exchange, some type of value added proposition, mm -hmm. you know, that you're going to see some type of uh, wealth creation. And so, um, like, like my videos, uh, I've always from the start insisted that, that everything in it was uh, original. All original dialogue, all original music, all original everything, every image, every, uh, even if I had an image, uh, I take an image and use another image and I morph them together and I change the color even before I learned graphic design, I always made sure everything was original, you know, uh, and uh, twisted around so until I got something I was comfortable with, mm -hmm. you know, uh, even if it made it simple, the simplicity always helped it carry. Because, um, you know, if you watch something that I do, you know that it's, uh, okay, this is a sci-fi thing. I got it. I'm bought in. You know, uh, I'm telling a story right now. You know, and it's the different elements that I add that tell a story. And those those elements cost money. I can tell you a story right now for nothing. <laughs> Somebody right now can listen for nothing. But if I spent, like, you know, $250 making a video and getting props and I did all these things and I made sure all my uh, actors ate and everything like that, mm -hmm. you know, I uh, made sure people got gas money. It's insane because you want to go ahead and do it right. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, because when you do it right, you have an appreciation for it. And when you have an appreciation for it, you want to, you want to share it the right way as well. So my videos uh, on Amazon uh, Prime, uh, 
you know, a lot of things that I work on outside of my own projects, you know, they are for like the film festivals, you know, with uh, what I do it myself or I do it with friends. And uh, because I already do stand up. Right. And I also do spoken word, you know, spoken word. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so there's already so many things I do when I pick up a camera. Uh, I'll take prom pictures for people. Um, mm-hmm. I'll record your wedding or maybe your birthday party or sure. something like that. That's fun. Mm-hmm. You know, but I also stay up all night sometime on binges so I can take pictures of sunsets. Nice. Over beaches and, you know, it's it's, it's insane. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a shutterbug. I probably have taken <laughs> like 200,000 pictures in the last four years. I wow. take pictures. I'm insane. You know, but I like the videos and I like being professional with it. And so I distribute them professionally. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I got a that's, few that's on awesome. YouTube. Like I and like people always ask me about filming with your phone. I say everyone has a dope phone. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can create videos with your phone. Just make sure you get good sound. You get a good sound recorder or record some sound independently with your phone, and you can probably mix it in later. You know, because your phone probably has a good microphone too. But I use those for like YouTube, you know, things like that. Like I'm not just gonna YouTube. YouTube ain't shit. You know, I'm not going to put something I, I invested time and money into on fucking YouTube. I'm going to do something I did instantly. I'm going to do something that was current, that I used the current technology available to me to yeah. broadcast to something that's also currently significant. This isn't the channel for something that you spent months on. Sure, sure. This is the channel for this. This is the channel for, hey, I made, I've made entire movies with my phone. Mm-hmm. Where are those movies? On YouTube. Makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, they get Marvel screens. Universe does not come out on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I think it's great. You know, um, I don't know. There's so many different. There's so many different things. You know, um, is uh, I'm just pretty. I'm just pretty. I'm pretty out there, man. Uh, I can't spit. I can't really. It's not that I got ADD. You know, I have over concentration disorder. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> well, what the thing is, like, I I just get so zoned in. That after maybe about an hour, hour and a half to two hours or so, I just break myself and I go into something else. Mm, yeah. You know, and I just go into that because I believe in like, you know, just offhand principles of you know, like 40 hour rule, 400 hour rule. You know, I don't believe in the 10,000 hour rule. I believe it's a 4,000 hour rule. Oh, yeah. Do tell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, uh, you know, if you initially get into something, you know, you want to find out, you know, um, what it takes to be a thing, mm-hmm. you know, in a certain idea entity, uh, like say somebody out there right now, like they look up and it was like, yeah, I did spoken word poetry for like 10 years and then I transitioned to being a comedian, you know, and I was still able to, you know, not, not rise, but get to the point where I was recognized as a comedian and I could do things as a comedian and I, you know, function as a comedian as well as being, you know, I did as, you know, in filmmaking as well. It's because anything that you want to achieve you know uh first thing you do spend 30 minutes to an hour researching it first thing you do you find out all the wealth of information is find you find out there's a lot in your close proximity you know in just an hour worth of research mm-hmm. you know and so you can engage in that and i always say if there's anything that you really want to do as an entity and you find that thing is not happening in your environment go to the place where there are the people or at that engage in the thing that you would like to bring into your experience because that's how you engage in the experience because you go into a place where the experience is already happening mm-hmm. so that experience has no choice but to transfer into your experience makes sense yeah so you acquire that experience you know and that's what this fucking experience is and you know people just sit there thinking that experience is always going to come to them no it's not and so the more you participate in that experience the more you know about that experience and that in like experience of like memories and the things that you engage with and you know memories and things you engage with you know or or thoughts that thoughts of physical things that travels in your mind physical things have mass things that have mass have gravity those things become heavy those things attract more things to it that come from that experience and that as you know more about that experience, you when you talk to people that also have that similar experience, you can it, it get information out of people that have similar experiences because you have shared experiences. So now you can you talk in a completely different language than the other people around you because you have a shared experience, a shared history with those people, and you can glean more opportunities out of that experience according to your sophistication and in, in operating inside of that realm. 
So, yeah, if you want to make something happen in your life, you get out there and you fucking start doing it. <laughs> you start doing it. You know, no matter how bad you are at doing it, you're eventually going to get better because you continuously engage in it. And so uh, you continuously thrust yourself into it until you get better. You know, it's, it, you know, it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take a hell of a lot of sacrifice. But guess what? You know, you, you don't, you're not promised unlimited time. So, you know, if you really want to fucking do something, you're going to fucking do it. So, you know, that shit, that shit is retarded to me, dude. I use the R word. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. the R word. Yeah, I did. Man. <laughs> man. Um, yeah. Yeah, I forgot what we were talking about. We started talking about movies and shit, dude. It's okay. I, um, I keep... Seeing my my phone doing funny things. Nah, check check on see if on we're still alive on Facebook since you got your phone with you. Well, if you don't I, mind. I, I can take or, a peek at it if you can. But, uh, um, I don't I don't I don't use Facebook that often except for to like um, post things that I hope offend people. <laughs> hey, like serious, I'm quoted in the press as saying that uh, my only goal as a comedian is to come up with material that offends every single type of person on earth like like every religion every race every sexual orientation everyone <laughs> i want to come up with a joke that offends every single person individually and hopefully collectively all of if them i could once. come up with one joke that offends everyone on earth my god i'd be a legend <laughs> i mean people would talk about me like i was the fucking devil or some shit like for the rest of life like remember that time he all made us laugh at ourselves <laughs> <laughs> he all made us hate ourselves i'm like shit dude that shit uh yeah so yeah, I think that's great about the uh, the four thousand hour thing. Just to to go back to oh that, that thing, yeah. Oh, that's my bad. I stopped no, no, that's one all right. hour. Yeah, because it's one hour. But if you want to be a beginner, you know, it's just you get to forty. It's just like training. You train for a simple job. Yeah, they're gonna yeah. train you about forty hours. That's one week, and then you're out there on the floor on a very simple job. Mm. But but they say that uh, you're not gonna be really proficient at your job for about four hundred hours, right? You know, and that's probably about mm, what's that? About a quarter of a year if you're working a forty hour your job about two thousand hour work hours inside of a forty hour you it's some it's some bull crap like that. So much math out however it takes you a couple years until they've continuously recoup your entire investment. My thing is about like kind of soft skills labor. It takes about four thousand hours. People try to equate that to ten thousand hours inside of other realms but my thing that gets me about it is you're missing all of the hidden hours. Right? That those same people that came up with the 4,000 hour principle are thinking about what you're thinking about, but why did they come up with the 4,000 principle? Yeah, can't 10. Because you're prepping an hour for work. Yeah. And you're driving an hour into work. Mm -hmm. You're decompressing an hour if you commute out. Right? Well, I'm right. saying there's so many hidden things and all the hours you spend at home. So even if you do comedy, it, you're not just doing the five minutes you had on stage. By the time that you use that joke, but mm -hmm. the time that you spent writing that joke, the experience that helped inspire that joke, because you're now also participating in getting the thing. So now it's in your mind when you go out there, you're not that you're looking for jokes, you're conscious of jokes now. So yeah. all of those hours add into it. So your 10,000 hour, it doesn't mean that you got 10,000 hours on stage and stage time. I think that's ridiculous. You but, think so? Yeah, I do. Absolutely, oh, do. That's okay. Yeah, because ten thousand hours. Yeah. Of at time just on stage, just on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. I I come at it from a martial arts standpoint. I know some musicians like mm -hmm. from playing an instrument standpoint. So the concept of massive amounts of rote, you know, just mm -hmm. repetition. Mm -hmm. And I like the phrase. But I like I like I like musicians even more because that's built into that. It's because yeah. your practice is it. Right. And the thing is with comedy, we practice a lot, but we practice in our heads. There, there, but there's some people that say mm -hmm. you can't get the same. It's a different kind of practice. It is, but it, but does it not still count? I say it does, and if I got you, if, an argument if, with if a you're rhetorical manifest studies it later teacher. Too. Yeah, if you, <laughs> I think it, it does count in its own regard, but especially when you do seek out the venue in which you express it inside of another form, mm -hmm. you take it into fruition, that does count. So that makes all the practice and everything you went into it like 
Um, when I bought my first camera, well, does it weigh out the same? That's my question. When I bought my first camera, yeah, I waited one year, mm -hmm. one year before I put out a video with it. I decided to take pictures and only um, practice for an entire year before I made my first short film with it. So I'm curious about the the weight of the work we can do in our own heads versus the work we can do in front of an audience, because. It's not exactly the same. No. But how similar is it? Do do they count the same minute for minute in practice value, or do you see one as more valuable than the other, or what are the ways they're differently valuable? No. Uh, they they they. Well, I'm saying no is in. Um, you definitely. As always, say, I, I leave with no so often. But uh, you definitely. You definitely. Well, the thing is, they are different. To spit it out. They're different. They are. However, right. but they how can they be the same yeah. in that or how they you can, value. you can, just like an actor delivering a Broadway play, mm -hmm. deliver what you envision yourself delivering, irregardless, or if that's the right word to use, regardless of what the crowd does. Yeah. You can still go through the exact motions you envisioned making yourself do. Well, and this is self as audience. So you can be both the rhetor and the rhetorician and the audience all at the same time. Well, that's time. if you're envisioning you can... yourself in the third person. I think that's what happens right. a lot. People envision themselves as in they're thinking about how others will perceive them instead of envisioning themselves actually do, being concentrating on what they decided to present. Because when I created something to present to people, there's no particular audience that I'm imagining when I'm creating that material. So when yeah. I pr present this material to people, I, I, it the the audience in front of me does not concern me. Because you you as I, your own audience, well yes, it's well, always a constant. Well, it is. This is what was created. I used to be nervous when I got on stage and I was talking to a good friend of mine, Terry, mm -hmm. uh, years ago. This is like 99 or something like that. And I, you know, about getting on stage and performing in front of people. And, uh, and he said, uh, you know, just one of those ingenious things. He said to me, um, what are you nervous about? Are you nervous because of what you think people may think of you? Or are you nervous because you think that the material you prepare isn't worthy to present to people mm -hmm. are you thinking about question. your material or are you thinking about yourself yeah. that, well, yeah. that was the question and i was like that's why you my boy because <laughs> if i said that independently myself and i yeah. said and i just wrote like hey i would like to share this this is something i would like to share and when i get the opportunity to share that i want to share this you know, it's 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 uh, a lot of I think a lot of inborn fear, you know, it comes from when they're like, oh, there's people looking at me or people thinking, oh, there's no one here. It's That's why it doesn't matter to me if there's 500 people there or there are 20 or there are two, you know, 99 percent of the time you get the same me. Yeah, because I came to deliver this. So, you know, sometimes I mean, I've done shows. Like, I've done, because I've, I've been, like, my first open mic was here downtown Mobile in 2003, the first one I helped organize and I put on mm -hmm. and everything. And it was called One Mic, because it was an open mic for anything that you could do with just one microphone, regardless of your talent. That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. And so, uh, but but ever since then, you know, it's, I've done, like, I've done so many shows, like, I've done shows with no one there. It'd be me and a bartender, and I'm running a tab anyway because I'm already four beers in. And the bartender's like, hey, hey, man, no one's showing up tonight, odd. What do you think you want to do, huh? And I was like, hold on, I'm sitting on my camera. Oh, you're going to do that thing again, huh? <laughs> and I do like 25 to 30 minutes by myself, no one in there but me and the bartender, and he's still bringing me drinks because I didn't give a damn, and I put some of those videos up on YouTube. That's great. Yeah, but I advertised that I had spent my 20 bucks in 2000 and what, eight. Fuck, I don't know when this shit happened. And nobody showed up. And I had put out flyers. Nobody showed up. I didn't give a damn. I was going to perform because I perform. Yeah. And if I don't perform, I'm not a performer. Mm -hmm. I'm a performer. So so when I go somewhere, I'm going to fucking perform. Doesn't matter if anybody's there. I count rehearsal as performances because yeah. I'm performing. 
That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. It's insane to me. Because it goes into the repetition count. Exactly. It goes into the experience field. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And you you draw on all those experiences like muscle memory for your brain. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and that's one of the reasons just talking through something, Mm -hmm. doing it out loud and doing it on a microphone in front of a crowd is more memorable for me. But it doesn't mean that all of the times that I'm alone that it doesn't count and that it doesn't matter because... In all of those times, you come up with all of the possible answers you get. <laughs> and those become tools to put in the tool belt. And, and they're just one more thing that you can true. pull out on a moment's notice. Yeah, true. Yeah. I say, I get into some brain farts sometimes because, like, pretty much every single moment, if I have a moment to pause, I think of, like, the 10 most likely scenarios that could occur from anything that could happen at that moment. And then if I get another moment to pause, I think of the 10 most likely scenarios for each one of those 10 scenarios. And then if I get another moment to pause, I'm gone. Bump you have to, you have to bring me back. Yeah. <laughs> you have to bring me back. You can't give me three moments. I'm the same I'm way. Gone. I'm the same way. <laughs> and, and, you know, and then after maybe about 15 minutes of that, I'm like, okay, I've researched enough stops. I'm going to go write poetry now. <laughs> <laughs> 90 minutes later, oh, yeah, is it time for comedy yet? Shit. Well, I'm going to edit this film later. <laughs> <laughs> We haven't uh, we haven't plugged any of any of that stuff yet. So the open mic, uh, I know you do smoking word at the Tinderbox on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what what other what other stuff do you need to plug real quick to, oh, dude. to get the plugs? You could just go to alfredward.com. There you go and follow me. That's what I'm looking I for. I really can't. I can't really um, remember all of them. No, I can't <clears throat> at all. Cause I can just plug everything. I go to everything, dude. I go to every comedy show. I go to every poetry show. I even go to every fucking hip-hop show, but I probably only end up at a hip-hop show every other month, but I hit the rounds over the course of a year. People look up, and I'm like, oh, shit, oh, I went is. to 14 hip-hop shows. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, what? I was like, the average person is, it went to zero, so. <laughs> but I'm just like, I even like I even look up, I go to like six punk shows a year. I'm like, how does that happen? <laughs> you know. You know, got you. Two dubstep. <laughs> <laughs> One rave. Yeah, still raving. Yeah, I don't know. They still Actually, do that around here? Well, I, th- I consider all parties raves now because people used to dance and then people used to mosh pit and now people just do a bunch of drugs and bump, bump into each other. <laughs> I mean, that's what the rave was all about. Isn't that what they've doing, always doing done? A, yeah, doing a bunch of drugs and bumping into each other. And you know, with the Molly shit and everything, I was like, no, nah, everybody's doing drugs. I used to have to go to the restroom. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I like the future. And... Now why bother? There's too long a line. <laughs> do your drugs in the bathroom. Just yeah, do yeah. them in public. I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? If you got a problem, you can just ask your constable for something. Yeah, they, they will hook you up. Yeah, yeah. After they bust those guys they don't like in the parking lot. I mean, you know, <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> Alabama. Right. Just, you know, you got to get to them before the mice eat wild, all the weed. Wild, wild, west. <laughs> you know, that was the time when Alabama was considered the west. Yeah, I know. That's when yeah. my family got here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Demopolis, anyway, De- or Midwest. Demo, Demopolis. Demo. That's right. It always remind me of democracy, and yeah. I always figured that probably wasn't any there. Well, depending on who you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just uh, uh, yeah, it's dirt roads, small town Alabama. Oh man, exactly what like, you think it is. Damn. It's uh, it's just like. Rural town everywhere you go. Yeah, They're my, small. Uh, Everything about them. <laughs> my my great grandma's from Selma. You're and, really? Yeah, and uh, I went to a family reunion in Selma once. It was cool. Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of family in like Selma and like Bruton, places like that. And like people I don't know. You know, people you don't know. Not, not really. Um, they're awesome though. I'm, I'm certain. <laughs> but. Uh, you know, she told me, like, they used to eat dirt. She was like, that's sweet dirt. That's sweet what? dirt. Ooh, I used to be like, y'all eat dirt. I was like, man, y'all was hungry, man. I was like, y'all were like animals. <laughs> Your animals eat dirt. <laughs> that's, that's intense. <laughs> I thought so. No, that's, uh, you know, 
But she told me one of the funniest jokes I ever heard in my life. You know, uh, because she was born in like uh, 1910 or something like that. Yeah. So like when the Great Depression and World War Two and all that stuff happened, I was like, she had memories. Her her brain had formed. She had real memories of these times, Pearl Harbor and all these things. I was even when I was 12 years old, 11 to 12 years old, I thought this woman that was born in 1910. This is like a treasure trove of information of recent modern history. And she's yeah. old as shit. I should ask her questions. Yes, I love the death, right? And I asked her, what was the Great Depression like? You know, and the thing is, I had didn't really thought about it. She was illiterate, right? Really? Yeah. Well, either that or she had went blind by the end. She was in her 70s, you know. But I asked her, uh, you know, actually, she no, she could do math. She was illiterate. Um, but, I mean, she was born in 1910, dude. <laughs> she didn't need it. <laughs> <laughs> All she did was work <laughs> and count her money. But uh but uh asked her what the Great Depression was like and she said, Baby, you know, back then in Selma, well in the twenties or so it was all depressed. We ain't know it was no Great Depression until the white <laughs> folks came and told us. They came in and said, yeah, y'all know it was a Great Depression. We said, baby, it's always been like this. Never changed. I said, whoa. I was 12 years old, and I was like, she is funny. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> that was a joke. I was like, you know, I was like, well, if y'all were eating dirt before, and you're eating dirt now, nothing changed. Nothing changed. <laughs> Oh my god, man. That's hilarious. So I don't know the uh Wi-Fi password for the Mary Widow. I don't know if you do. No. But I can't get on there to uh to share it. Uh so whoever that one viewer is that's watching right now, if you know what the Wi-Fi password to Mary Widow is, let us know. because um, I would love to share this video on my other page. But otherwise, that's all right. Uh, but there's your plug. That's where we're at. We're at the Merry Widow for open mic tonight. Yeah. Uh, and there's something going on down the street that I would love to plug if you know what that is. No idea. No idea, but there's something uh, going a, on. It's a live art uh, exhibit that is uh, featuring live models. And uh, they are also representing some form of interpretation of the artwork being displayed alongside them nice uh so yeah, it was pretty awesome like the colors like the representation you know is is it is it um like a mirror of the art some people did but but usually it's you know some type of interpretation so it's a unique perspective on the art mm -hmm. and it's great to have that unique perspective because them as being models as opposed to the more 2d art it has already a perspective, yes, okay. you know. So it's a perspective within. It's very meta, and and the um and the models are quite attractive. That you never know. hurts. That uh, never it's hurts. Great. Well, the thing is, there's so much symmetry in art, but in people, we have symmetry, but we're also all asymmetric. There's always the asymmetry. Yes, yeah. and that adds the to me. To be honest with you, and that's that's what makes it weird for me. But that is what adds the beauty. That's what adds the different to life. Because we, if we were all the same, then there would be no beauty. So we all need differences. We all need ugliness. But it's only ugly to ourselves. To everyone else, they barely even perceive it. Some people don't see it at all. I usually don't. But I am aware of the differentness, and the differentness is uniqueness. You know, mm. yeah, and it's it's uh I don't know it's crazy. I, I I like to tell people it's like if they come in to like the workshop or you know what <laughs> workshop uh, the smoking words. What we do is it's a workshop. It's a writing workshop before we do open mic. Oh, I didn't like, know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because we're doing uh, spoken word poetry. Um, you know, but right now we're just you know we're just doing inspiration exercises. We may get into like um forms. And like styles and everything like that. Sometime later on, I was thinking of maybe a short story, maybe even before that. I thought that was a great idea. Yeah, but uh, we have to probably increase the writing time for 15 minutes to so like 30 minutes so people can at least get a start on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we could do that. We could do that because it'd be different. 
Mm-hmm. And plus, that would give us enough time for everybody to share what they started. Like, my God, some people might write four pages in 30 minutes. Yeah. And so we we would definitely. <laughs> Good we, on them. Yeah, we would definitely need to go ahead and just do that, have it just set. We start early, knock it out, and then we can all share what we've done. And then what we do is after we finish sharing, then we have open mics. So if you got anything new, anything else, anything old you want to rehearse, we go ahead and um, we do it. Then um, round robin, we don't like we don't let our mic get cold because it's smoking words. Because where there's smoke, there's fire. All right, got to keep the ember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why would you let the mic get cold? Nope. All right, right, boom. Next. Next. Who's next? Who's next? Because I could do it, and I could do it all night. Mm-hmm. Like seriously, I could just get up there on a the microphone and probably just stay there for like two hours and be fine. I could. And, I don't think anybody would want to see it. Nah, I could do it. I know you could. Yeah, I could. Well, you know, it'd be different. You know, it'd be different. Like sometimes I tell myself, I'm like, okay, I know that I can engage a crowd of people for thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I can do that. It's weird to know that I can do I can engage a crowd of people for about 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. and uh, But I have to remember, oh, I'm doing comedy. They're supposed to laugh. They expect to laugh. Mm-hmm. I can I can engage a crowd, and I can have a crowd, and I know I can be engaging with them, and they'll be quiet, but I'm like, oh, shit, they're not laughing. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, hold on, hold on. Because the thing is with poetry, you can do all that. You know, it's, I, I like it. It's, uh, and that's maybe that's, I bring a little bit, of, I probably bring a lot of that to my comedy. Because in spoken word, we can laugh. Mm-hmm. We can cry. We can yeah. dance. We can shout. We can scream. We can do, they're, 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 they're monologues. You know, we can do damn near anything. And so even though like, when I'm doing stand-up and uh, I'm joking, I'm doing maybe instead of doing just 25% jokes, because I'm a jokester anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of just doing 25% jokes, I just ratchet jokes up to about 75%. And the other 25% is just my feel of my banter, because I'm going to say some like some dumbass, like, that's almost relevant, but he does still sound like he's high. <laughs> you know, it's almost like, yeah, yeah, like, 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 that. like that is, that is he fairly does, significant, yeah. but he does sound like he's on some type of drug cocktail right now. <laughs> I don't know if I should discredit him or I think for me, him. it would be shortened to, you know what? He almost sounded sober that one time. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you said, man. Yeah. If you don't keep it coming with one thought, two thought, three, I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's like, like, uh, if I'm you gone. ever see me do this, my brain is like it just buffered and it's like booted up another software program. Right. It's like I have right. apps in my brain and it's like, boom, it's like you are I not should, buffering fast like, enough. Like, oh shit, I should go take pictures. <laughs> <laughs> taking pictures, taking pictures now. People are like, every, what are you doing, huh? Oh, oh, you guys thought that I was with you because I was standing next to you. No, no I was having an no. individual experience traveling. inside of the greater experience. I was I'm, traveling. I'm gone now. I call it ghost mode. I love it. Ghost mode. I call yeah. it autopilot. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'd love the autopilot. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, autopilot man. is the buffer. I recently my buffer broke recently though. Not but not broke like like it it would need like I don't know it it got fucked up. I'm working on bringing back the my give a damn oh, broke. God. Like you remember that? I'm sure you remember that. Yeah, that I saying. Do. I'm trying to oh, get back to that one because it used to be I ran out of fucks to give, but that's kind of harsh, and so I've been yeah. practicing clean when I can. And I like that old saying of my give a damn just won't get up and go or whatever it is. However quaint you want to make it. But Dude, I like it. I, I like it. I miss it. I had a I had a two hour buffer when I was eighteen. I thought it was impressive. I could what? be around anybody for up to two hours before I was like Fuck this shit. I can't be I around me for two hours. Dude, like, I had have a person like, buffer. Sit quietly for two hours. After, Nobody can do that shit. After my divorce, I, I, kind of, I pretty much discarded that. Wow. I learned to control it, you know, and I got into entrepreneurial things because you have to be able to vet things so you can get to more significant things that, you know, uh, you can get to more real things faster. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, after I went through my divorce, things got kind of quirky. I did something absolutely insane. I think I developed like a three month buffer. I mean, 
and 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 in a three like a three month buffer, uh, it it's just like there's so many things. Like if somebody talked to me about anything, I wouldn't say anything significant. It was like, hey man, comedy. I'd be like, yeah, comedy, Blind Mule, uh, Wednesdays, Saturdays, uh, Pensacola, Tuesdays, Fridays, Thursdays. Uh, there's this other place on Mondays, occasionally mix Mike Tuesdays, Thursdays. Like I had prepared statements. It's like I was a politician because I work yeah. with politicians. I had prepared statements. Just for reading so the copy. Many things. <laughs> and just as soon as they come up, I just I always give people a prepared statement. And that was the buffer. I never as long as am I mentally was using a script when I interact with other people, I it lessened the significance of those interactions. Yeah. And my buffer was was so fucking huge and my buffer was still big because I write poetry and short stories and novels and scripts. I could throw you a poem from 12 years ago, like two lines, and I'm like, you're still in my buffer. Yeah. <laughs> Stretch it out. But, Stretch it out. But this year, you know, I just got to the point where it was like, uh, I got to the point where it was just irrelevant. It was just irrelevant because what it was doing was masking how I felt in the here and now. Mm. And the more that I was masking how I felt in the here and now, you know, yeah, I could still get things done. But what I was doing was not getting to the heart of the matter. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm only benefiting from things that I do get into the heart of the matter. Like I'm benefiting from selling my labor. That's what I do at a part-time job, you know, mm -hmm. selling physical mm -hmm. labor. You know, I listen to, like, 18th century capitalistic philosophers. That is the selling of my labor. The selling of my labor will gain me less revenue than the selling of my mind, ideas, and my thoughts, and my patents, or things like that. True. You know? And so I, I know what I'm doing, you know? But I'm not. if I'm not mentally engaging at the moment of focus, you know, uh, to, the, to the best of my ability, I'm only going to get what my buffer supplies me from that moment. So if my buffer has a 60% success rate or 65% success rate, a God, you know, unfortunately, maybe in certain scenarios, a 35% success rate, but luckily I'm not dead yet. You know, if my, but that is only what my buffer could give me because I'm not fully engaged. I'm throwing pre-formatted things inside of a real now. You can't throw pre-formatted things out at a real now all the time because, like you say, you're rehearsing your head, but it's not the same as the real now. Right. That's right. why you also do the real now, and that's why if you bring the things that you buffered into the real now, like on stage, now you get to engage them, you know. But, uh, you know, if you're doing that in personal interactions constantly, you know, uh, I, I believe lessens the experience. And, and I just got to the point where it's like I, I stopped really caring. Like you say, my don't give a fucks. I ran out of fucks or whatever the fuck. I stopped really caring about, oh, uh, you know, I don't have to keep people laughing while I'm at, in line at the grocery store. Right. You know, I could turn around to somebody and be like, hey, dude, like, you know, just like, yeah, that's the stuff you're talking about. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I don't have to change the subject. I'm going to have to do that shit. Yeah. And I'm still going to have jokes when I show up later to the comedy show. Yeah. Because I have a book of a thousand jokes that I've written. I'm going to have jokes. I don't have to be jokey joke guy while I'm buying, you know, tampons and <laughs> 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 orange juice. You hey, know, Annie. It's like, hey, they're like, hey, look at, look at dude's cart. And I'm like, yeah, man, my girl, man. <laughs> yeah, she's a dog. These are doggy tampons. It's doggy diapers. <laughs> Bitch bleed. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Dogs bleed. Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Dogs bleed, um, man. I didn't know that shit, man. Because I, I always had male dogs. Until I found out that her dogs have like periods and shit. I was like, oh, oh, I was like, whoa. That's what it's like to be a mammal. Ta da. I was like, being a mammal is not that special. I was like, God damn it. I thought that, like, humans, okay, humans are special, but I was like, I didn't know, like, there's so many things that we have in common with other animals. Like everything? Yes, everything. What is, uh, wow. the some Dude. of the best neuroscientists say the only thing we do better than the rest of nature is what we were talking about earlier, is abstract. Mm -hmm. We can abstract beyond three orders of self. We talked about that before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Robert yeah. Sapolsky is the guy uh, that I, I refer uh, to on it. But mm -hmm. uh, like, I can imagine what it's like to be you 
imagining what it's like to be somebody else, imagining what it's like to be somebody else. And mm-hmm. throughout the animal kingdom, we're the only thing that can abstract to the third, to greater than the mm-hmm. third order. Well, so yeah, like, I like that because that, that goes into like the, um, the, the theorems with like chess and how many, yeah. How many moves ahead someone can envision? Yeah, how many games can you play at the same time? Exactly. How much can you hold? Uh That's a massive Uh amount of data to keep track of. It is. It's impressive. And that's why I wrote a joke about my buffer having like 97 gagillion trillion (laughs) (laughs) bytes of data in it, and it still crashed. (laughs) Because it was holding all of, you know. It still went off the go. Like, it was like, ah, I still fucked up. It was like, you had three months of conversation for a thousand different people, and I still crashed. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Because uh no well because sometimes it's like I it's like I ran into a few experiences in twenty eighteen that made me want to concentrate all my attention at the moment. And after I did that a few times, I kinda got hooked on it. Yeah. I got hooked on the idea of I'm not being apathetic. I am being fully engaged right here, right now, and and I don't care what else be damned. Because not being fully engaged in what you're doing is caring about the other things that that might occur. Like, no, I am doing this right here, right now, and that is it. That is it. Yeah. Until I am done. And then... I'm going to go participate with other people, my friends, other entities, because these people I know can give me insight because we're all the same, but we're all different. And these people can give me insight into the experience. They don't even have to have seen my experience, but we're all, let's say if I walk outside, we're all at the same comedy show and I do my thing and people outside, you didn't see me go on stage. I go outside, we start talking. You had performed. I didn't see you go on stage. Mm-hmm. But when we come outside, our experience on the evening is still relevant to each other. Even yeah. though we didn't perceive each other's individual experience that each one of us went into the situation thinking that might be the most significant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's the. Uh, I think that's the disconnect between uh, ego... It, through co-creation and ego through uh, soul creation. Hmm. So the the way the the way that we create memories. If mm-hmm. I create a memory outside of your presence versus inside of your presence, mm-hmm. you are part or parcel of that memory, mm-hmm. whether or not you are focused on making that memory with me or not. And these become the layers and orders of abstraction that we were talking about. Yes, because. Because that's, and I think this is, tell me if, if this isn't the point we were making earlier, that all of those perspectives are valuable because each of those people occupies a unique place in space and time. Mm-hmm. And even though everybody has access to all of that perspective, it's typically filtered through that lens. And until yep. we take the time to look through that lens, we don't get that perspective. But we can gain access to that perspective if we take that time. And that mm-hmm. gets into what you were saying about being... Being able to shortcut that ten thousand hours, if you evaluate all the perspectives that you've in, that you that have been engaged around you, you can mm-hmm. pull hours from other people's through that co-creation. Is that a, a nice enough bow for this whole conversation? That counts too. <laughs> no, it definitely does. Damn, that yeah. was, I, it just kind of clicked in my head how it all how it all dropped oh, in there. But that's exactly too. what you've been talking about. Yeah, right? participating in the experience yeah. counts. Because I remember um, learning that principle that uh, if you want, for every hour you have in a college class, you want to study like four hours per week per that semester hour. So if you have a four-hour class, you want to study 16 hours a week for that class. If you have a three-hour class, you want to study, you know, 12 hours a week Mm -hmm. for that class Mm -hmm. participation. And then it dawned upon me, does the hour in that class also count inside of that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It definitely should. Because that is, you know, our inside of the experience of participating, you know, in in gaining expertise on that idea. You know, because think about it. Like you're just saying, you being at the show, even with you talking outside of the show, us sharing ideas about the experience, about the perspective that we experience. And in regard to also us viewing each other, creating the perspective, you know, in regards to your own individual perspective 
perspective per state you know and now because of the juxtaposition of all of these perspectives that you hear about even if you don't like i just hear you talk about your perspective of all you were just at the exact same point mm -hmm. you know so it is a reflection of mine so it's going to give me another opportunity to glean from something on stage this is right. how he felt about the stage right right oh he just talked about this is how he talked about the guy in the in the red shirt. However, I also knew that that guy was sitting in the red shirt. So this is how he felt when he looked left. But I can remember how I felt when I looked. Yeah, yeah. And so now I can get that juxtaposition. And so I can, you definitely can glean more information, you know what I'm saying, inside of study. There is participation, there is practice, and also study. And study goes into the hours. Yeah. Yeah, and I think as long a lot as of you manifest, because manifestation is the key. It is the ultimate result of you scientifically testing what it is that you learn. Well, and doesn't this cut to the chase of active participation or active practice or practicing mm -hmm. well, as opposed to just practicing poorly? But but when you apply that presence of mind to being present in a in a positive way, as opposed to just trying to be to force practicing, some kind of presence? Practicing poorly is mockery. <laughs> it's no, mockery. Practicing like poorly that. is mockery. Uh, because practicing poorly means that that person isn't maximizing what it is that they do. Uh, and not maximizing what it is that you do is when you don't appreciate what you are contributing. When you, like, like just because everyone else is energetic and you want to be deadpan doesn't mean that you have to go out there and just you know, uh, half-ass your deadpan because you're not doing the norm, because you're not doing the de facto. Yeah. You can still go up there and do the best fucking deadpan that you can envision. Mm -hmm. Even if that's not the norm for the room or the crowd or anything, that's what the fuck you want to do. A lot of my shit is deadpan, but I still scream a lot, you know? And and when I do deadpan shit, that's it. I, that's it. I just want to do it. I don't give a fuck if no one laughs. Like, right there, I, that was supposed to be deadpan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Boom! That's it. You know, and if somebody wants to be that guy, do it. You don't have to half-ass it. Like, like, and I feel like, to be honest with you, this is something that I I envision uh, a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not gonna half-ass around me, period. No, just because if you've been half-assing, I'm gonna go before you, and I'm gonna blow the top off the fucking place. Not just because I know I can automatically do that shit. Mm -hmm. Just because I don't want you on my stage. I don't want you anywhere around me. Because if you keep coming up here half-assing, you're going to run people away. Because people feed off your energy. People already be either paying to come here. You know? Or they decided to come here and it's a free night of their own free will. And they want to enjoy themselves. And nobody wants to. It's going to enjoy themselves watching somebody not give them their full effort. Yeah, and, 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 and devaluing their situation because they're going to do something that devalues that experience and we all have limited time so why if you want to devalue your own experience do it on your own time don't do it on other people's time so i'm going to go up there and regardless of whether i say i killed or people say bomb or whatever no what i'm going to go up there before you because i'm conscious and i'm going to give it every ounce that i have i might go be only be up there five minutes and i will leave the stage soaking wet to let you know before you get out there what it looks like to see someone go all out in front of five fucking people right go big or go home right yes and so you either have the choice of going up there again with your half-ass shit and these people are gonna look at you like you're a fucking idiot because alfred just gave them everything that he had yeah everything that he had yeah and you know and I, what the fuck are you doing right here right now so you either can get the fuck off stage right now or be that fucking dick and you know you're not feeling good energy right now you ain't gonna come back you're not or you're gonna try mm -hmm. and a lot of times people try because you got to be up for that challenge and i started a lot by signing up to go after the good people who who's who's good i wanted to feel that insecurity i wanted to be that guy that was like oh shit they just killed i want to go after them people thought yeah. like oh that's easiest easier you get the right to wave no it's not People think that no, it's not. You get some cheap laughs, but you can write, you can take that higher, or you can take it lower. But it's the insecurity you like. If you ever feel, oh shit, they they killed. What am I? Ooh, what, what would I say now? I would lead in. That's when you want to go on stage. And I've talked about, I've heard you talk about uh, 
the the same thing other people in comedy talk about challenging yourself and that's mm -hmm. one of the ways that you've expressed to me before that that you challenge yourself is for a while you were telling me the story about picking a spot like you would go first for a while or you would go last and that was just your commitment and we're like that's that's yeah. the spot I'm going after if you didn't if you didn't mm -hmm. have some other plan in mind but doing something challenging like that yeah. like being the first one up all the time all or the being time. the closer yeah. at an open mic all the time what other ways do do you find that you not only challenge other people by kind of throwing down the gauntlet and, and, and you know, all boats rise with the tide kind of thing, how know. else do you I'm just concerned with my challenge boat. yourself? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, how else do you challenge yourself? Well, to be honest with you, dude, well, I keep saying that. Just to be honest, we can get you line. But um, <laughs> one thing that I actually like to believe mm -hmm. is that... Um, when I, I when I really started comedy, one of the reasons why I really liked it is because I wanted to do something that I wasn't good at. Uh, I wanted to try something new. I wanted to try a new art form. I wanted to get into something that that um, didn't take anything but my time because I was going through a lot of shit and I didn't have a lot of money, but I had a lot of time. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it was something I had kind of tried before and I really enjoy it. And so it's like I'm an author so I can write some stuff and I can go up here and I've spoken in front of thousands, maybe millions of people so I can do that, right? It wasn't that easy. And I, I kind of, it, it made me feel good. Every little time I got a little bit better, I did a little bit something, I actually found out how to write a joke. But actually what was funny, I got more laughs for the things I said in between the things that I had written. Hmm. And I found out, you know, not I would say that that was my voice. It was just that, you know, not freestyling. It was that uh, I can talk about the painful things. Yeah. I can talk about the uh, the difficult things. Like I'm trying to write a joke about something, you know, um, racial or whatever. And a joke might come across weird or, or, or people just like get butt hurt. But I can go in there and I can make a twist on it yeah. right there. And I was like, no, no, no. I shied away from it. I shouldn't shy away from it. That's what I'm saying. I can go ahead and go in on very difficult topics like the other day. Uh, I came up with a new joke. Now I'm going to deliver on stage. I guess I'll deliver here right now. We're still streaming, right? We got two viewers. so Two uh, of them? Yeah. Yeah. So you hear this joke. Uh, is it okay for me to uh, dead name the Boy Scouts if I was a previous member? <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like I have part ownership inside of that experience. But if I can't dead name the the, the Boy Scouts, the, uh, does that mean I can call myself a, a trans scout? <laughs> it sounds a lot like Transformers, and that sounds a hell of a lot better than Boy Scouts. I'll tell you the truth. Like if you, when I was ten or five or whatever, you told me I got to be a trans scout, I'd be like, J -j 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 sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that shit. That shit is funny. Oh, man. <laughs> but it's difficult. What if I want to be a Decepticon? Well, <laughs> <laughs> but my thing about it Can't is... Can't call them Girl Scouts anymore. No, no. Because <laughs> it's the Trans Scouts and the Decepticon Scouts. Oh, my God. The, the cookies. I'm sorry. I ruined your delivery, no, but you I didn't. had no, to toss No, that was in. good. That was good. That was good. That was delivery. Because, <laughs> see, this is the thing. Is the joke isn't about the Boy Scouts right. or the Girl Scouts. Right. The entire joke is about how can uh, I diffuse the term dead naming? Yeah, how yeah, can yeah. I get you to laugh take at it. the how term? Take it away from you? Yeah, take away the, the clinching, take away the negative connotation from the word to words dead naming. Yeah. I, I don't think that that should be a big issue. I think we should talk about what this concept now means as a society. Yeah. However, the Boy Scouts not being an entity, <laughs> but they're changing their names to the Scout gives the perfect opportunity because I was a Weevilow Scout, Troop 205, for me to say, <laughs> is it okay for me to dead name the Boy Scouts? Right, like, or like, did that I, part of my say, life just not exist? Exactly. <laughs> like, you can't just take away. You can't just take From away that part of my life. Entity. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, like we all read Kenneth Burke. We understand the meaning of naming things. Oh, can't just steal someone's power. 
Oh man, <laughs> it's gonna be a fun bit. It's gonna be a fun bit. Oh man, that shit is funny, man. Oh man, hey, that shit is hilarious. But yo, but uh, like I say, a lot of people think I like freestyle a lot of this shit. I write, I write like a motherfucker. It's just that I write so much stuff that a lot of times is unrefined when I do bring it to stage because I haven't had time to rehearse it because I'm I'm seriously I I write religiously. Mm-hmm. It's it's stupid. Like, I fill up notebooks weekly. So, you know, or phones, or I'll post 80, not 80, but I might post to Facebook 30 times a day, but I only make five of them public. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I probably have a, not a thousand, but I probably have over a hundred drafts on Twitter. Just do, 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 save draft, save draft, save draft, all day, all day long. And I got my notebook. Uh, Oh, yeah, I can talk about one thing I've been doing lately. Well, hang on real quick before Uh-oh. you get into that. Uh-oh. Are we crossing over? No. What happens, the and our oh, people, shit, people who we listen got, to the podcast know. Yeah, we've got 55 minutes. Oh, wow. You should get I press, I press that little button just to uh, keep the YouTube recording, uh, but I didn't want it to cut in, in the middle of what you were saying. Oh, okay. So uh, you were about to say... Um. <laughs> right, it's, right. It's a perfect time to ask that question. Um. Uh. Well, actually, uh, one thing I've been filling doing up lately, notebooks and drafts and, and Twitter and yeah, all that good stuff. Yeah. One thing you've been doing lately. It's um. I've been I've been looking up uh like investment portfolio portfolios, thinking about this idea of retiring while working, and uh, you know just having similar and perfect portfolios for um. Low investment, high interest paying dividend stocks. Oh, fun. Yeah, I've been trading Forex for quite some time, you mm-hmm. know, currency flipping. And that's pretty cool. Uh, I can, you know, talk to people about that. But uh, I might start, now that I'm doing the, um, you know, poetry workshops, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm enjoying it so much, uh, I'm like, eh, you know what? I might as well share a lot more of the stuff that I'm doing, and I can do that in detailed segments. You know, it's not that, oh, I know all this stuff. I'm just saying that, hey, there's some stuff I know that some people could benefit from. I don't want everybody there. What would I do with 7 billion people? Yeah. Yeah, everybody doesn't. Everybody's not going to be there. No. I think that's why a lot of times people like, oh, hey, man, I miss Thursday. I'm like, I, I, I'm thinking to myself, I mean, there's 330-some million people in America. Everyone can't come right. all the time. Come when you can. I'll see you when you can make it. Everybody can't come at one same time. I'm probably gonna miss a night soon. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. I um going back I can can't do the day trading thing. I need to, to Oh get yeah, back I can't to that, I can't but... no, I'm not doing day trading either. I think I think day trading is crazy. Uh but I did try to day trade currency, was it called swing trading or whatever? Oh it'll drive you insane. It'll drive you nuts, man. It's like they have a chart for every five seconds. <laughs> It's like this that goes up and down that t- every Man. five seconds, and you'll just be looking at it like, Am I gonna make five dollars? I just <laughs> lost 50. No, I just made a hundred. I just lost 75. It'll drive you insane. Man. I couldn't do it, man. Ugh, couldn't do it. It's disgusting. But I'm actually really good at hey, that country just had an earthquake. Their currency is probably going to go down for the next at least six months. Oh, actually, yeah, I know it is. Yeah, staying ahead I can, of the news. I can, boom, ride that wave for about four or five months straight. And then I'm like, oh, that, that downturn is slowing down. I'll get out of it. And I'll wait for another act of God that says, hey, Alfred, go get some money. <laughs> Speaking of going to get some money, uh, we are about to go do that. It's 7 o'clock. It is so, comedy time. Yeah, it's Sunday night at the Merry Widow. Comedy time. Sign up for the open mic. Wow. Uh, anything you want to want to send people to or mention before we just alphaward.com I don't know what happened talked about film talked about poetry song talked about some finance I don't know this is this was cool I didn't expect this this is awesome I like this man this thanks is yeah DJI yeah. makes most of my gear yeah. I, I'm, I nice. like that company that's a DJI Osmo uh-huh. um, they make this the drone that I use and stuff like that mm-hmm. that's why I ended up going with them hell yeah, yeah. so Mary Widow open mic tonight I'll be yep. guest hosting uh, Govna is the guy that, that handles the Mary Widow comedy thing most of the time the Gov and um, 
what else? Uh, check out the Blind Mule open mic, the Tinderbox open mic, the Wednesday and Tuesday, respectively. Yeah. Smoking Word on Thursday with Alfred Ward at the Tinderbox. Uh, Back Porch Comedy in Pensacola. Mm-hmm. And have I missed anything? Yeah, you go to Gavin Al- Randall. No. Booyah. What's up, dude? And you go to alfredward.com because that's actually where you can see the films on Amazon. Uh, you can see uh, many other projects. I got books. I got like nice. poetry books, man. AlfredWard.com. Yeah, man. I had I had a, I had once had a guy in Australia use my poetry as part of his PhD thesis. Oh hell yeah, man! I was like, Ooh. that's sweet cred. I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> why would you do that? Why would you do that? You just made me feel good about myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. Yeah, you're gonna use my shit in a publication. <laughs> hell yeah. Well, yeah. there you have it, ladles and jelly spoons. Thank you so much for joining us, Alfred. Pleasure. And uh, until next time, thank y'all for hanging out by YouTube, by Facebook. Buy me a drink. Alvi Zane. When you see me. And, uh, be in these streets, man. For those of you listening to us yeah. on the podcast, thank you so much for hanging out. Truthloveandpeace.com. Until next time, truth, love, and peace. <laughs>